So first question, Jane, why do you want to do this interview? Why did you say yes? Because you were very persistent. (laughs) (laughs) I loved your passion oozed off the page from the email. And normally I don't do things, but I just felt that um, there was a lot of empathy there was a lot of excitement and that you were going to really try and use this to help others and inspire others. Yeah, that's what this is about. So how would you define a maverick? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess somebody who breaks the rules and is untraditional. Okay. Somebody, yeah. So why do you think you're a maverick? Because I break the rules. Okay, okay. The London School of Economics actually developed a maverickism scale. I'm going to give you seven statements and you just need to say true, false, can't decide. People about t- myself or about the This definition? is about you, about you. Okay. So people, okay. t- people tell me that I'm a maverick or words to that effect. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. True. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. True. I'm much more productive than other people. True. I have very unusual talents. True. I am generally underestimated by people. True. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. True to doing things differently. I don't know whether I'd say better. Okay. So why do you do things differently, Jane? My instinct. Right. So I see a challenge uh-huh. and I want to do something about the gaps or an area that I see and I just put things together in my brain and I do it. Okay. So can you give me an example of what you do differently and how? Um, I use my instinct. I do, a lot of what I do is on instinct. Yes. So for, there's so many different examples I could give you. So at the moment, we're supporting a range of projects working with um, people, courageous people doing it really tough at the moment in Australia. Okay. And most people would ask for a piece of paper to be filled in and very um, rigid questions. Right. Whereas we just go along and we just smell it and we feel it and we look in somebody's eyes. Okay. And we always ask for the people that are... Uh, experiencing the problem to be part of any conversation that we have and we then make a response based on that okay so I think that we are asking people like if you put me in a box Mm -hmm. you ask me to uh, fill out an application form I can't do it but if you look in my eye I know that I'm capable of doing anything but I just can't put it down in words so we're great believers in smelling a situation it's it's about instinct it's about getting down and dirty okay okay is what you do equated to the bottom line or something else oh what do you mean by bottom line money it's a bit of everything it's a lot more than just money so what's the other lot more Well, for example, I think that if you are talking about an issue such as homelessness or people living in Africa, it's much more complicated than here's a starving child, give us some money and we'll sort it all out. What's really important for me is if you allow that person, whether it's a homeless person here in Australia or an old isolated person here, or it's somebody in Africa, is let them tell their own story and listen to that. So we're a lot about creating awareness. Giving people a voice who wouldn't normally have one is very key okay. to everything that I do. That makes sense. Is any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I guess it is because I just get on and do it. True, true, you've said that. So, does doing things differently, Jane, require certain skills, talents, mindsets? And if so, what are they? I mean, you've said about instinct and smelling something out. So, I'm picking up on the fact that it's, it's a lot to do with intuition. Um, but anything else? I think that, yeah, I think that um, being inquisitive, yes. being curious, and actually genuinely wanting to listen. I think 
very few people in today's world are interested to listen. We get a lot of people coming, a lot of people want to come and see me. Right. And they rarely say, what are you doing? How do you do what you do? Very few people ask questions. And maybe that's why I responded to you, because I could see you were going deeper. And one of the things that we like to do as an organisation, and me personally, is I like to go deeper. Okay, okay. Uh, Scratch uh, deeper. Definitely. I was just coding somebody's interview. Um, I interviewed somebody who had pencilled out like an hour for me. Four hours he was in my study and he (laughs) turned around and he said, he said, I just cancelled everything. He goes, because... Um, his phone was going off. He said, nobody's ever asked me this stuff. And he goes, and I don't reflect. And he, I don't think I've, the conversations that were coming out about his dad, and it was amazing. Um, well, Jane, I we, think that that's a really key thing is being inquisitive, being curious, yes. and genuinely wanting to connect with people. So now I don't bother um, having meetings with people unless there is a connection because yes. life is so short and it's so rich and you just don't, and we're all so multifaceted that it's all of those that interest me okay what all are the, those bits. say the last sentence again Jane. all the bits all the bits okay so what are the challenges to being a maverick it can be lonely oh like that very word's lonely. Like that word's not come up before. Ah, because you think in a particular, if I'm in a boardroom, usually everybody will be thinking one way and I think a different way. Right. Um, And it means we're quite stubborn, I think. We often feel that we know the way to do something. Whilst we listen, I hope Mavericks listen and I hope I do. Yeah. And especially on a a direct path. Okay. Um. What was the question again, Belise? Sorry. The question is, what are the challenges to being a maverick? I think on the whole, it's a pretty good thing being a maverick. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm just trying... It's quite funny, the stubbornness. I interviewed somebody in South Africa and we had a 30... 30 minutes of the interview, Jane, was just talking about how pig-headed and stubborn our fathers were and (laughs) where we are today because of that. Um, what's been the lowest point of your journey as a maverick? I think I'm very lucky. I've had very few low journeys. Okay. And I think I'm lucky because I'm fired by, I've got this great desire to create change. And I am so inquisitive and I am so curious. And by having conversations and connecting with people, it means that you'll never, it's just such an enriching path. It's intoxicating. So the lows, of course, they're lows, but they're far outweighed by the highs. And because there's so much connection and so much support and there's so much of a family around me, I really rarely feel the lows. I'm very lucky. Okay. What aspects of your personality or character influence your Maverick approach? I think that a very important part of me is having grown up in a very stable, very loving family. Right. Very unjudgmental, saying that if you want to do something, you can do it. So when I failed all my exams, I still had that inner strength, even though I was was, um, thrown and my confidence was completely lacking. Right. that love and that support from the parents and family meant, you know, I remember my mum saying, you can do anything. So I said, well, can I go to Oxford University? She said, yes, you can if you want. You don't have to take the conventional route. Yeah. So I got a job, job as a cleaner and I went and sat in on lectures yeah. um, because nobody knew, nobody knew I was meant to be there. So You're kidding me. True. Yeah. Right, okay, okay. So this is... This, this ta- leads on nicely so are you born or bred a maverick i think i probably was yes which one born or bred because the examples you've given me were bred bred i think you think you were bred a maverick yeah okay i think i was born it as well though because i came into a pretty wacky 
Okay, yeah. in a beautiful family, yeah. Okay. And you've touched on this with the example you've given, but is there anything else you want to add about... The next question is, do you think your childhood in any way impacted on your being a maverick? Absolutely. So apart from, apart from flunking your exams and going into Oxford as a cleaner, um, nicely done, girlfriend. Um, ha, is there anything else from your childhood that... Um, springs to mind that impacted on you being like you know the Jane Tewson maverick that you are today I think loads of things I think especially my mum I mean my mum was always in the mornings out in her bra and knickers doing the vegetable garden before she went to surgery she was a doctor and I often used to say mum can't you wear clothes and she said what's the point they just get dirty and I've got to wash them and we've got no time and we've got no dryer I mean because everything was dried we didn't have a house with any central heating or anything so right. you, if it was winter, you know, and um, she was just very practical. If she needed to go and see a patient, right. and we used to always go when she was giving patients who were dying, she used to take us on horseback. We'd gallop across the fields to see the local person, and she'd always take us in right. with her. Yeah. So she was known as being a doctor, and us kids would go along. We'd sit on the iron lung or, you know, and, and that just gave us, and, and there was a brought up just being happy in any community we go into the houses of old people young people impoverished people when the snow came we get on the back of the tractor with her to get to school it was very unique your mum sounds like a legend yeah she was a legend yeah okay um how is now you touched on the fact that you said yes to me because of my energy and I did warn you that before I did warn you subtly that you know wait till you meet me in person or on screen it's actually multiplied but how is your energy and enthusiasm and drive how does that relate to being the maverick you are Getting my dyslexic brain around that. Say the question again. I will say the question again and I'll say it much much slower. So apologies. So Well say it in Billy's language. Don't read it, just say it in your language. Right. So enthusiasm, drive, energy, those three things, how are they related to being a maverick in in Jane? Well, I guess that, that enthusiasm, drive and energy comes from my passion for social change. Right. And when you know people who are living right on the edge, yeah, and you know that it's really important for you to be their advocate, yes, it gives you the most incredible. You know, you feel like you're coming out of every time I, you know, if I visit the prison or I'm done chatting with the homeless people or the guys there, you come out and it's like there's a rocket underneath you because you know there's so much to be done. Yes, and there's so much to be done in that people are so. Um, People don't, uh, people I think, especially here in Australia, just aren't aware of how some people are having to live yes. and how tough their lives are. So I, my drive and energy is always to try and change that. So it's, and when people know, it's like the scales fall off their eyes. So it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty addictive. Yeah, I can imagine. It, you know what it reminds me of, yeah? It's, I used to work in palliative care for children. And people used to say to me outside of work, oh, you know, you, li you live life pretty full on. And then I suddenly realised that, you know, I can remember jumping out of an aeroplane. Now, I'm not like the bravest person on the planet or anything like that. But I can remember the morning I was going to do it, I just lay in bed thinking of every kid I'd looked after in a wheelchair. Every kid who I'd had to, you know, wash them down before the funeral directors came and picked them up. And the little you know, baby who I'd had to hold so that they could take a mould of the child's foot so the mum had something to remember the child by because the kid wasn't going to be there at the end of the week. And I was lying there thinking, what the hell are you doing, Billy? You said you're going to jump out of an aeroplane. And I just remembered every single kid who wouldn't have been able to do it. And mm. I, the next thing I know, my boyfriend comes out of the shower and I'm like, right, I'm ready to do this now. And he said, what happened? I said, I know why I'm doing it. And I went up to that plane and I just jumped. I may never do it again, but all I did was I sat on the edge and I thought of every kid who couldn't do this and I was going to do it for them. And it's a, it's a little bit like that kind of energy yeah. when you're trying to do something for somebody else. It's like this project. This is more about 
Um, this is not about me. This is about every kid who didn't fit in and who got told, no, you'll never succeed. No, you have to follow the rules. You can't break the status quo. This is for every single one of them. Mm. And Interestingly, one of the projects I'm most proud of doing is a book around death, which right. is that idea that if you talk about death, you'll bring about social change because you're bringing you're you're bringing a connection. And um, it, you know, one of the pages just says, "Why in some cultures do we have elders, and in the others, the elderly?" Yes, that's oh, that's quite simple. Yeah. Basically, some cultures don't respect their Absolutely. older. Look at the way the Chinese treat their elders. Yeah, absolutely. But, but there again, Jane, cultures are changing. I remember my family's Indian and I remember being in Leicester and hearing a radio show on at my mum's house, an Indian radio channel, and they were talking about an old people's home for Indian people. And I was like, we don't send old people to the... To, we look after them in our homes. Mm. Our mums and dads live with us. And they said, no, not the younger generation. There were old people's homes for Indian people. And I was stunned because culturally mm. I was under the impression that we don't do that. So um, I reckon you're going to have to go. Is that right? Yeah, five minutes. Isn't it? So how do you see rules? For breaking. For breaking. Have you all... <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I figured that. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business, Jane, or was there a particular trigger? No, I think I've always taken it. My dyslexia was the trigger. Your dyslexia was the trigger. No. So did something happen that made with the dyslexia that made you think, excuse the language, fuck you guys, I'm dyslexic and I'm doing it my way? I think I was doing it my way because I had to do it my way because right. being dyslexic, you come at things in a very different way to others. It helps when you, when, when, in a funny sort of way, it helps when people give you a label and suddenly you think, ah, that's why. And every day as I get older, I realise what being dyslexic, you know, I, I celebrate it. Okay. You know, it's like most things in life. They're a gift. You just have to see them as that. Yeah, that's right. Are you always a maverick? Or do you choose to be so at times and why? I'm not always a maverick. I'm not always a maverick in that I'm able to sit back and just listen and observe. Okay. Um, so I do, I think I'm a maverick with my responses, but not so much in the style of my being, which I hope is to be a listener. Okay, okay. And I don't write, you know, I'm not a bull in a china shop all the time. Okay, but you are sometimes. Yeah. Okay. And do you turn the maverickism level dial up and down? Like in this instance, Billy's interviewing me. She's interviewed 70 God knows how many people before me. In this situation, I can be a 10 out of 10 maverick. Or and the level can be turned full, full whack. But tomorrow you might be going to see a company that you... Oh, yeah, I turn the dial up and down. Yeah, yeah. And that's a conscious decision or an unconscious decision? Instinctive. Instinctive. Okay. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Hmm. Advantages is that you... You're on your own journey and you're directing it and you're responsible for it. For sure. Disadvantage is people often don't understand you, but that's probably because they don't ask questions because they see you as they decide what they see you. They put you in a box. They right. make a decision about you Okay. Um, without really wanting to understand or be interested to understand. Okay. Has age and experience altered your maverick approach? And if so, how have you grown? I think one grows every day just because I love life and I'm so inquisitive about life and the people that I meet and I love meeting every, you know, kind of person. Right. And I'm very spoiled in my life and having such an eclectic range of people around me. Okay. But how are you, so let me word that a different way. How is the Jane who's a maverick different from the Jane who was a maverick 10 years ago? 
Probably not much different. Probably not much different. Okay. No. And what aspects of your business are you most maverick in? Uh, I think the whole thing, probably. Okay. Because our business is slightly different because we're about a number of different things. It's not as though we've got a single focus. Okay. So if you, if I was asking you what are the num what are the different things, what would you, how would you list them off to me? Well, we might be creating a book. We might be making a film in a prison with young men who want to tell their stories about um, tell their stories with a view to try and stop other young kids making the same mistakes they've made, driving drunk, taking drugs, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. It could be about um, meeting and listening to somebody who's totally illiterate and it takes, you know, you think your instincts tell you this person's got something pretty special It'll probably take you three or four hours to really drill down to find out what that is and what they're doing. I mean, it's uh, next thing could be, you know, having a meeting with Richard Branson or having a meeting with a business leader. So it's pretty eclectic, my daily life. Okay, okay. And I'm really interested in what you're doing because it's kind of like it's a totally different type of business, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a business where we're trying to give a voice. Yeah. And... To people who wouldn't normally have, have a one, voice, and we're yeah. not accepting the unacceptable. Okay. And what aspects of your business are you least maverick in? What do you do just like every other company? Well, I don't do it, so I make sure that I get somebody really good to do all the finance and governance, because yeah. I'd be a liability if I was left with that. Okay. Now, how are you for time? Yeah, I should probably go. Okay. In which case, I will end the conversation there for now. Um, and I will wait for you to send me another time slot that you can fit me in to continue our conversation. What um, What are you like in January? I'm good. I'm okay. I'm about in January. I'm going to go and climb Kili, um, Kilimanjaro towards the end of January. So Beautiful. yeah, I just I said that I would do this one day, and I thought, yep. Yeah, uh, I need to go and um, do this. Right? Are you going with your husband? You must be joking. I'm going on my own. We're, <laughs> we're very it. independent. We It's one of those amazing relationships, Jane, where um, I remain I, he remains he, we remain we. That's the only way to explain it. So we do our own thing um, and yet totally there for each other. Amazing. That's lovely. So I I'm, I can't wait to get to know you more. So okay, I'm gonna. You too, and don't feel don't um don't be shy of hassling me too. Uh, Jane, trust me, I'm gonna hassle the bejesus off of you. I love it. Okay, you I take care. care. Nice to talk to you, Billy. Nice to talk to you too. Be, take care. Definitely Happy worth training. persisting. Bye. Bye. Hello. Hi, Billy. Hi. Can you see me? Did you hear? I can see you. Can you see me? No, I can't see you at the moment. Can you see me now? Yes, I can. Way! How are so you, you? So you've, you've climbed Kilimanjaro. Yes. You've got married. Yes. You look very well. Um, I probably look very tired. <laughs> I've got this thing where I'm like, if I think like an entrepreneur, I'll be one. So I'm getting up at half past five every morning doing my meditation and then working all day. Well, that's good. So how are you? What's been happening with you? How are things at home? They're okay. Thank you. Yeah. I, I take the last interview with a guy called, I think it's Hugo Spowers. You'd have liked Hugo Spowers. He was really good fun. He's a, good. He's a guy who um, designed the first hydrogen cell-powered car. Oh, wow. Yes, amazing. it was. But what was more amazing than that? That's why I contacted him. But it was the wonderful stories because he was telling me how he used to go to church with his mum and his mum was friends with this gentleman who um, he used to go around and have dinner with this guy. And this guy's name was Elmhurst Villiers. And he was apparently the guy who designed... Um, the oh god what it what was it 
the Bentley blower engine and who Q out of the James Bond films are based on. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I was like, this is amazing. So, so how do you want to do this? Have you had a chance to recap the first pit? Only sort of, um, very, I have to be honest, Billy, very, very quickly, but I'm, that's, that's fine. That's okay. We know what you've said in the first half. That's been transcribed. I've got myself a note that says, on my on my set of questions, that it says Jane Tewson, and that tells me where I've, where I've actually spoke to you. Right. So, and I don't need to remind you what I'm doing. I can tell you I'm at interview number, I've just done like about 93. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, I'm really short for time. Right. So, so should we, we just kick off? off? Yes, for sure, for sure. So, Jane Tewson, part two. We already talked about the fact that you're a maverick, and there's no doubt in my mind that you are. So, how do you balance being a maverick with home life? Um... It's hard, but you just you just do it. I actually I don't. I'm quite. My children would probably disagree, but I'm quite good at not taking my work home. Okay. So I'll wake up early in the morning and I'll start work at four o'clock on my computer. But then if they, you know, I tend to switch off totally right. when when they're around. So I do make a a line between home and work. Okay. And is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? No, I think I just want to live my life. Okay. Authentically and excitingly and with real purpose and passion. But no, I think when I'm gone, I'm gone. No. Okay. okay. That doesn't drive me. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date? I think when I was really young, so 23, and had the idea for my first charity, it wasn't really a risk. Mm -hmm. But to think a young person from the country with no contacts, fresh to London, um, have the arrogance to think they had a new idea and a new way of doing things. It's pretty audacious. Yes. Um, and uh, I never saw it as a risk, but if you're looking from the outside, you would think it was a huge risk. Yeah. But it was just driven by passion. It's really interesting because hearing you say those words, that you could almost transpose that onto the situation I'm in. I've got no business contacts. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. In and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I can do this. And I'm getting there. And it's it's kind of like, yeah, yeah what on earth? You're driven, by, um, you're driven by passion and determination. Yeah, and, and, bl and, and blind yes. stupidity sometimes. No, no stupidity. No. no? No. You're on a mission. It's great. Okay. How many ventures have you taken in the past five years, Jane? What does ventures mean? By ventures, I mean, I know you do um, Ignite Change. Is there any other business that you do? Oh, lots of other things, all the time. Okay. Um, mentoring people, I'm on a few boards, um, um, helping people with new business ideas. So all the time, I would say every week I'm doing something outside what my core work. Okay. And what do you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture? Success according to Jane Tewson. Creating change, giving people a voice who wouldn't normally have one and thinking and including those people. If you're looking to um, create something to help change, I think it's very important to include the people with the problems. Okay. I'll not do it standing alone. Okay. Of the ventures that you've done, what percentage would you say are successful according to that definition you've just given me? Remind me of the definition. Oh, uh, I would say 80%. What leads to successful execution of a venture? 
Having the right team around you, mm-hmm. having the right, you know, really for energy and passion and get up and go. Okay. And when a venture is unsuccessful, what do you consider is the main reason for failure? Billy, I think I'm really, really spoiled and I don't know. Actually, I do know why I'm... I really am not an expert in anything. I think what I am good at is going to the very best people in the land and asking them to help me. So I always go... I always reach out to people who've got the skills that I don't have. And as I say, I have very few skills apart from being able to ask people to come and help. And because it's always about social change, those people tend to love coming to us. So we're very lucky with our success rate. And we're very small. Okay, okay. What do you do that brings uh, makes a venture successful? What does Jane bring to the table? Apart from anything other than the fact that you know how to go and approach the right people. Being really clear about what our ask is and what we want to achieve. Okay. And not accepting the unacceptable. Okay. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yeah. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, Oh, that's a really interesting one, Billy. Give you some time to think about it. What am I afraid of? I mean, I could say things like I'm, I'm afraid of public speaking. I could say things like I'm afraid of... Um, I'm afraid of ever being across, coming across as somebody who is deeply knowledgeable, because I really don't think I am. Right. I think I, I think I'm very good at at smelling out a situation and following my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm not, um, and because of my dyslexia, I don't remember facts and figures. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite, you know, I like one to one. I'm not good in 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 um, with lots of people. I like intimate. That's I think that's why I've chosen to have a very small organisation. I don't want. I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of igniting change because we're having such a fun time and kicking so many goals. I'm afraid the pressure will be on us to grow, but I'm adamantly refusing to. Okay. Does that, does that give you enough? Yeah, that gives me. That's a wonderful answer, and it's a very honest answer. I hope so. You've already touched on this, but how important is team to you as a maverick? Everything. Absolutely everything to me. Do you know? I really like these question. Like this question because I read a lot of stuff about Mavericks not being team players, and yet everybody I've spoke to has said, um, "Without the team, we can't do this." That's interesting. Yeah, everybody. Certainly true. Certainly true. Yeah. Do you think being a maverick affects your approach to leadership? Um, do you think being a I think that I, I mean, I tend to lead by, I do, I, I'm a team player. Mm-hmm. I'm not autocratic in any way. So I, I mean, the main thing, if I am a maverick, but, you know, I suppose there's a question around that is, is um, my intuition again? It comes back to intuition. Yeah. I think. I think. I th- I let me rephrase it a different way. What I'm trying to work out is, if people are mavericks, do they lead in a different way to other people who are leaders? I think it's very hard to generalise. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. You'll be able to answer that. I'll ask you that when you've done your 150 interviews. Hundred, only a hundred. Hundred. How and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? Oh, I'm sure that was my upbringing. We were always in 
encouraged to to be inquisitive and to you know go ferreting in the morning or go mushrooming or ride our horses without saddles and bridles we were we were encouraged to have fun and enjoy and be spirited we we're always encouraged to be spirited that's a lot you know are you really really hear that word to be to be encouraged to be spirited yeah, yeah no very definitely how are creativity and innovation related to being a maverick? Oh, again, I think you're better placed to answer that one. Yeah, but unless you not give me answers, I've got nothing to put together. So, ask me again. So, is creativity linked to innovation? Is innovate? Sorry, into being a maverick. Is innovation related to being a maverick? I guess so, just by looking at the mavericks around one and right, looking right. at how innovative they are, yes. Okay. Mavericks tend to be learners. What What are you a student of, Jane? People. In what I'm way? In, I'm inquisitive about people. I'm curious. And many people say, oh, nobody's ever asked me that before. And I think that the, the sad thing is that very few people ask people how they are and really mean it. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. One of the things I've found with these interviews is how many people have said to me, nobody's asked me these questions before and I'm learning so much about myself. Mm. Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? Yes, I do. And is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Oh, lots of mavericks. Who jumps into your head? A young girl came into the office a couple of weeks ago who I'd met a couple of years ago out of her head on ice um, and homeless and but, but really wanting to get herself back together. Right. And we, right. Had, we had a chat and um, various things happened as a result and then... Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, this beautiful young woman just strode into the office. Right. I, I recognised her, and it's just like, oh, it was just so exciting seeing that she'd done it, she was clean, she was flying, she's going to go a long way, she wants to be... Uh, does that answer the question? Yes, and it's such a beautiful example. Awesome. She's just beautiful. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, I'm going to tell you this now because I haven't spoke to you since December. But my next project is is I'm going to find young people who are game changers around the world and film them. Right. Because I think that um, I think that young people get a very bad rap. I would I would be telling her story as opposed to telling the the uh, the story of how bad ice is and how it's kid. You know, I'd be saying. How great it is! Kids can come off it and give, put her as a role model. Yeah, what I'm trying, yeah, what I'm finding, I'm trying to find. I was trying to wonder how I was going to link my past life as a children's nurse with an expertise in young people, and link it to the Maverick. So the next project's called the Crazy Young Ones. Love it. Oh, I'm, I've got three people signed up already. Well done. Um. What do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a maverick, if anything? I mean, there's the old thing of working, you know, too long and two hours and too, too many hours because you're a maverick, you're very driven, I think. Yeah. Um, I think I'm too selfish probably to sacrifice. I mean, you could say, I could say things like, I wish I'd spent more time with my children, or I wish I'd been more spirited with my children. But I don't think that I've sacrificed. I don't think that I've sacrificed. Other people might look at me and say, she, she sacrificed X, Y, or Z, but I don't believe I have. Okay. What motivates you as a maverick? Passion for change. Passion for change. Wonderful. I can't bear seeing the poverty out there, and I can't bear seeing that you know that that uh, people have to go around without incontinence pads. Older people because they can't afford them, or yeah. 
you know, I'm just, it really angers me. It's, it's, um, people's dignity is really important to me and, and seeing that the person and not their label and being caring and community minded. Yeah. Is any part of being a maverick related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? Don't know. Okay. Do you like being a maverick? Um, well, it's interesting because I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm just going to ask Rosie, she's in the office with me. Am I a maverick, Rosie? I'm not sure I'm a maverick. Oh, look, Rosie's just looked up the definition of maverick. Ah, Rosie, Rosie's with me in the office, Billy. She says, yes, I think you are. Well, from, what, from your answers from the first half and the other 90-odd interviews I've done, honey, you are big time. <laughs> Hence the persistence. Okay, so, <laughs> do you think... Do you think being a maverick is important or a responsibility in any way? What's the definition of maverick, Rosie? Yeah. Okay, Billy, can you repeat the question? Of course I can. Is being a maverick a responsibility or important in any way? Yeah, I guess it is. In what way? Well, keeping independence, keeping following one's intuition, not not following the status quo. Okay. Now that Rosie's told you, Rosie's just saying providing an example for other people. Okay, I've sent you a message. If you if you ask Rosie to look up Samuel Maverick. And find the story, you will understand why this is called Business Mavericks and oh, not the crazy you. ones. Thank you, Billy. No worries. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how maverick are you? Eight. Okay. Jane, what advice would you give to someone who feels they're a maverick, okay, so that they can be the best maverick they could possibly be? To follow their guts, to follow their intuition, to follow their, to follow what their inner self is telling them and just go for it. Okay. How do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks? You create the opportunity to listen to them and meet them okay. and empower them and build their confidence. Wonderful. What's your biggest challenge right now, Jane? Not enough hours in the day. Okay, okay. If you could have a superhero power, what would you want? Sorry? Extend time, Rosie says. Um, I would want to see all charities across the world mm. have representation of the people that they're there to support on their board and actively involved in their organisations. Wonderful. Absolutely. And what I don't understand and I'm sure you're going to concur with me, is why that hasn't happened since the day the charity was formed. It's beyond me, Billy. It's and beyond it's, um, me. No business would run not knowing who their clients were. It's just, uh, excuse my language, it's a fucking disgrace. And if that one thing was changed, so much change would, you know, if you're running a hospital and you ask the patients. Do, do you know what, though, Jane? Slight tangent, 
okay. In fact, I'll finish the interview. I've only got two more questions and then I'll tell you a story about what happens in hospitals. Mm. What do you do for fun? Play. Play. Yeah. And what, what is play? It might be uh, gardening. It might be having a laugh. It might be um, doing things I'm passionate about. It might be... Um, play, I love playing Scrabble. Um, it really unwinds me. Okay. I don't do enough of um, it. And play is talking to people like you, talking to just lovely people, you know, just listening and stopping on the street and talking to the big issue seller or just play is life for me. I just love it. Wonderful. Would you have, if you could have, if you have one quote that defined you as a maverick, what would it be? Have you got a quote around that you have above your desk or something you live your life by or...? No, I don't actually. A lot of people I know do. Mm -hmm. I just want to be true. Okay. That's, I'm sorry, but isn't that a really powerful quote? I just want to be true. It's just your it, quote. It just depends how you, how you translate true because that means so many different things to different people. It's a bit loose, but I want to be... Authentic. I, I want to be accessible and authentic. Okay. So. And to learn. Okay. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? Very good question. A really, really good question. Now that is the kind of thing that would be the kind of thing that I put up on my wall. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really that that you've given me something because it's such a good question to ask people when you're with them. What would you like to have been asked? I think that's beautiful, Billy. I think that's it. it, it. You know, some people would say, "I just love to be asked." <laughs> It's, it's really interesting because I've been asking that question and when I started this in, these interviews 18 months ago, I only had about 16 questions and a lot of the questions that I'm asking you have actually come from the Mavericks. All the questions were either themes or somebody just said, you know, I'm sure Mavericks have low points. Can you ask? I'd like you to ask them all what was their low point. I'd like you to ask them, like um, the question about how do you serve other people to be Mavericks? Bruce Poon Tip, who um, runs G Adventures, he said to me that a lot of Mavericks tend to be full of their own ego. And I'd like to ask them, what are they doing to promote and serve other people to be Mavericks, particularly the young Mavericks coming behind us? And that's why the interviews is, is so much longer. So that was the last question. So first of all, thank you for letting me interview you. I will do the best I can, okay? I just want to say thank you. I have persevered with you you have because you're so humble and you're so you know some people are so precious about who they are and what they do and you've never ever been like that since day one you've just been you've just, and and when you talk about what you're trying to do it just makes me realise that if everybody on the planet tried to be a little bit more like you, how much, how amazing the world would actually be. Oh, that's a great thing to say. Thank you. You know, I don't lie, Jane. Um, you know, when you were saying about getting people represented on the boards who the charities are actually about, I can remember working in university. So... I've been, I'm leading this leading change, that's what I used to do, I was writing the leading, leadership and change management, I was writing that curriculum and leading the team, and an email came round saying, 
um, have you invited the service users? Because we have to show it. And I arranged all my meetings based on when he was available. He came to every single one of the meetings. He was the one we uh, I asked, what do you think, before I asked anybody else. And one day, he came into my office and he knocked on the door after the meeting and said, could I talk to you, Billy? And I thought, oh, I've done something wrong because I always think I've done something wrong. And he turns around and he says to me, Billy, he, what had happened, Jane, was he'd had a stroke and he'd lost his job, he'd lost his wife and he used to go in and work as a volunteer to, uh, and help other stroke patients. But the hospital had got him on every single committee and every single panel, yeah, to um, just to tick the box. He was working like a blue-arsed fly, okay? And he was telling me he didn't know what to do because he'd lost his salary. And, and all these doctors and consultants were earning thousands yeah. of pounds for being sitting on that panel. And this poor man was going in on his day off because they hadn't got enough volunteers just so they could tick the boxes. And what was lovely... And I don't think, I haven't told this to anybody, but I know if I tell you this, you won't think I'm big-headed. He came in to me and he said, out of all the meetings I've been to, I've never had anybody chair a meeting like you. You come in and it doesn't matter if anybody's senior or it's just me or it's the cleaner. You go out and you make everybody a coffee. And you bring biscuits in, and we know you, the university don't provide them. We know you buy them on the way into the office. And he said, and I just wanted to come in and say, you just made me feel that you were the only person I could come and tell you this, and what should I do? And oh, how could I get no. some help? And I was like, I was so overwhelmed, because I was like, you know, do these people who are earning bloody consultant salaries not see that this man's lost his job, had a stroke, and he might need a bit of help financially? So true. And I was absolutely mortified. But the reality of life is that's what people do. That's so true. And it's... Now, Billy, I've got to shoot. I've just seen the time. Okay. Uh, um... You'll be in touch. I will definitely be in touch. I've done really well. Hey, I have to tell you this before you go. The vice president of Lego looked me up and asked me to interview him. I love it. And then, oh. and then you know Marty Cooper, the guy who invented the cell phone? I don't know him, he, but no. He, 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 he interviewed, he let me interview him. He's endorsing whatever I'm doing. And he's taking me out to dinner and my fella when we go to San Diego in November. Let's touch base in a month and see where we both are. Beautiful. I will ask Rosie to set it up and then to suit your diary. Mine's got more flex. Have a lovely day. Bye. Bye.